0: I'm with Justin Hiernaise, who is the executive director of the Hamilton Southeastern Schools Foundation. So, Justin, always good to talk to you, but sad to have to do it under these circumstances.
1: Agreed. It's great to talk to you today as well, Larry. And uh, hopefully uh, next time we talk, maybe we'll be sitting in a school building somewhere.
0: Absolutely, which is where I would prefer to be. Uh, the last in-person interview I did was with the mayor, gosh, several weeks ago. And at that time, it was early, and, and the recommendation was a, was social distancing was three feet. Things have changed since then. But we did uh, observe all that, did not shake hands and the whole thing. I, every other interview, all the other interviews since then have been either by phone or, or some technology. We're using Zoom today. I've used Skype, and it's just a way to do that. I, I, I want to ask you to start off um, – all the nonprofits are seeing challenges as a result right. of this, and I've talked to a couple of people already on podcasts who have ties to the school community, YMI, and youth assistance, and they're doing their best to, uh, to adjust to the new challenges. I, I was just taking a look at your various uh, fundraising events. I assume you were able to close out game day without any, uh, any problem. Is that correct?
1: It is correct. And we, we really benefited um, from our date this year, you know, from talking to some of our surrounding um, education foundations, Lawrence is a good example, just south of us. uh, The day our schools closed that that Friday, the 13th, there was supposed to be the night of their big fundraiser. So I think like so many nonprofits, just like we're doing today, a virtual chat, I I think fundraising in a virtual world is where a lot of uh, a lot of the organizations are having to pivot and be creative. And try to reach their audiences that way.
0: And you know, I see you have an alumni and friends uh, top golf event. You postpone that to August second. So everybody is doing the best they can to keep the events going, postponing them or doing them in a different way. So just lay out for those of us who are not in that nonprofit world, see your work and the re- results right. of what you do, and, and see your fundraising events. But how has that changed the landscape for an organization such as yours?
1: Well, I appreciate you um, asking that question, and I appreciate the work you're doing to highlight a few of our nonprofits, too, because the ones you mentioned, uh, Youth Mentoring Initiative and the work they're doing with uh, HSE school students, as well as the Fisher's Youth Assistance Program, I think when this first uh, happened and schools were set to close, and as we all remember, it was for a period of weeks, not months, when this first happened, I think one of the immediate things that was brought to our attention is how are we going to feed kids that were relying on coming to school and getting a couple of meals. So I know Youth Assistance has been a big partner of that and really uh, want to echo the thanks to them for the work they're doing. We reached out to our food services right there on the at the front end of this as they distributed thousands of meals right when schools first closed uh, before the extended spring break. And we were able to help a little bit. We got some grant funding um, from the the neighborhood Walmart that's in the Fishers area. They provided some funds and also we needed tens of thousands of plastic bags just to get those out. So that was a couple of areas that we were able to kind of react to immediately. But in terms of some of the things we normally be doing this time of year, we've had to get creative Um, through our community partners. We would typically uh, be awarding scholarships um, to you know, uh, over a little over $75,000 through our community partners is our normal uh, scholarship award amounts that go out to both of our schools. So, even selecting those, move to a virtual environment. You know, we're having a Zoom conference call like we're doing now or a Zoom video chat to even select those winners. So, we benefit from having an online portal where we can all evaluate those students and look at things together. But that was one example of a meeting we would have had, you know, in the administration offices that. We don't want to limit the impact that we still make for those students because, if anything, I think resources and supporting those seniors is is a big part of what we're trying to react to now as they come up on the uncertainty around commencement and some of those things. But that was one example. And then you mentioned our fundraiser. Again, we benefited from our game day fundraiser, the largest one we have annually, that taking place in February. And really, we've we've been able to fundraise in February and go into – the end of our year, knowing we have some assurances for our future fundraising for the teacher grants we do and the district support. So I will say the silver lining of getting that event in in February, I think, is we look to budget for next year is we, the success of that event, will enable us to continue a number of our programs into the fall, including the teacher grants that we do, which will open up sometime this summer for our staff.
0: Well, I think this question ties into that very thing you just (coughs) mentioned, because now that uh, we're not sure about uh, next fall we don't know in august whether students will in fact be reporting to their classrooms i'm sure the teachers the parents and the students all hope for that but uh, i do a lot of re- i do a lot of reading on this i'm retired so i've plenty of time and Ooh. all the reading that i'm doing is that there's a, there's a genuine question as to whether school will start as usual in august now if that were to happen if students are are still studying from home on the distance learning system do you expect your foundation uh, to to intervene pitch in is there, are there ways you can help support that or have we even uh, got uh, got is that even have you even gotten that far to even think about something like that
1: i think it's a great question and i think it's exactly where um our thoughts are going is being prepared in for, for what will come with that. I think there could be um, cleanliness issues right around um, the monitoring of, of how the people are when they come in the building, those type of needs. There could be, there's, there's going to be, I think what at this point we're seeing is there'll be some um, emotional needs, some mental health issues, potentially preparing for, for students and staff to come back into buildings is something we want to work on. Uh, there's been a number of granting organizations and a lot of support to nonprofits, especially in Marion County, but also up here in Hamilton County. Um, and we're staying in contact with our surrounding foundations too. Just this week, um, uh, all of the Hamilton County uh, public school foundations got together trying to share ideas, what they're seeing in their districts. How can we be prepared? Is there anything we can do to, to work together um, to make sure that our districts are ready? And then also, Done in Marion County, trying to share ideas, learn what they're doing. We, I think we're on the e-learning, Larry. I know a lot of that uh, is different depending on the age of your kids. But what we're hearing or seeing is, is our district was probably as well equipped as anybody in the state, honestly, for this e-learning period. Um, we had had e-learning days. You know, we have the one-to-one. But what gaps are there? what students may not have those things. I think those are all things we want to try to have some funds ready for that. So whether that's grant funding or potentially we may do some fundraising, but honestly uh, we, we've held off on having any COVID-19 specific fundraising effort because I think it's a little bit hard um, not knowing the date that we're planning for. Uh, we can, we can be proactive. We can have some funds there, but we, we also want to be responsive. So when a need emerges, we want to be able to quickly, okay, say, here is what that's specifically going to go for if, if someone were to ask us, how would you use the funds if I gave those to you?
0: I'm curious. Your offices are in the school administration building on Cumberland Road, and I don't live very far from there. So when I, I don't get out much, but when I do, I tend to go down Cumberland Road. And it's interesting, I, some days I see a number of cars out in the parking lot, some days I do not. Does your staff still do most of the work out of the office, or do you work some in the office, some at home? How, how are you and your staff handling your workload?
1: So we've, we've moved to an all remote working environment, so I'm talking to you today from, uh, from my basement uh, as my wife also works at home, and so many households you're having to figure out where's the break room, where's, uh, where's the lunch lunchroom, where's, uh, you know, where's the office. Uh, in addition to e-learning activities that are happening in schools that are now in the homes, I think that's something we're all we're all dealing with. But I have tried to uh, make my way into the office weekly. So they are really at the administration building. It's not open to the public, but there's some essential staff that are in there. Superintendent included, um, you know, the financial services, some of, some of the food services folks, the folks that are still working to make sure the district. Uh, is ready for when buildings open, but also finishing off the rest of the school district. So the facilities folks, I know, are a lot of those cars you probably see there. So we've stayed in contact with all the parties I mentioned. And as a need has emerged or an opportunity, we're trying to be responsive to it. Um, I will say, you know, in terms of, <clears throat> excuse me, teacher support, one of the things we, we did pretty quickly when this happened is with those schools closed, So many of the grants that we give out, like we we awarded um, a little over 30 grants to 18 buildings in um, February. So just before the buildings closed, we just awarded some new projects that were all student-led. So these were students who came up with the idea and pitched our foundation on financial support. We now know those projects aren't going to happen this semester. They may not happen until, you know, next school year. And we don't know about next semester. So we quickly said, hey, teachers, if you want to still order and make progress on these projects, we'll, we'll coordinate an e- effort where you can ship those to your house. If you can use those for e-learning in any way, if it will help you basically still innovate and teach your class, we're fully supportive of that. So we've let them know that that can go into next school year. And so there's no limitations. They don't have to worry about when you know the school year ends. But we try to be as nimble as possible and try to still provide support of things that we we can't wait to see when they come to life, but we want to try to take off any of those limitations. And one of those is, like you said, with the buildings closed, um, we've, we've enabled them to get those projects at their home. So uh, that's a small thing we've done. But it, in terms of when the buildings open again, I, I think it's it's a hot topic. But I do think our, our district is continuing to plan for extended e-learning and what that looks like.
0: When I last talked to Dr. Borfin and, and the school uh, board president that was one of the uh, in fact, we did that by telephone uh, several mm-hmm. weeks ago. One of, of the concerns, particularly from uh, Michelle, the the uh, uh, school board president, she's very concerned, and so is the superintendent, about a couple of things. I mean, there are many things to worry about, but think about those people who are seniors now uh, and the juniors, uh, the junior prom, the senior prom, mm-hmm. but even above that would be graduation. And that's going to be a challenge for everybody. And nobody's quite sure how that will be done or might be done. My question to you is, do you see your foundation as having any role in trying to work out something special for, let's say, a graduation ceremony in the current environment?
1: I do. I think in terms of our immediate support, when when we saw that schools were going to be closed for an extended period of time, we've talked about a number of these things. Immediate needs that are essential, such as food services, services. The class of 2020 and how we sort of wrap our our arms around that, who's not going to have, whether you played a sport or part of a, uh, a class project, if you were part of a club. Obviously, HSE High School, I think, was, was supposed to start Annie and their production of Annie literally the day that, that school closed. So there's so many of these things that just went on pause. Um, how do we support that? So. I know that the city's working on some initiatives, City of Fishers, Dr. Borf has has let us know as some of these things come together, there may be some support that he would come to the foundation for. So we are ready for that. And I would say a couple of things that we're doing that we're excited about, um, Fishers Magazine reached out to us through the Town Post Network and Tom Bread, and they're going to publish all of the names of every graduating senior from both high schools, Fishers and HSE. So that'll be in their June issue. Uh, Tom's been very generous. He's working with a number of the foundations. If a, uh, someone listening to the podcast as a senior or is friends with a senior and wants to take out even a $25 ad, Tom has said some of those funds will benefit the school foundation. And our plan would be then with those funds as things come together for the senior class to use some of those funds to, to support them in whatever that looks like. If it's a delayed commencement, if it's a program, if it's video support, and I think the other thing that's that's neat, and this will be coming out, I think, mid to late May, is we have been working on some video elements that we want to uh, we want to showcase and really highlight and, and tell the class of 2020 how important they are to us and our school community. So that's something that that I think will come out next month. Uh, but there's been some work behind the scenes on that as well, which I think has a chance to be really neat.
0: Well, I am glad that you are working with Tom Brett. I know Tom well, and usually, if I compliment him, that's just a setup up for a joke to take a shot at him. But I won't do <laughs> that today. <laughs> Tom is is a good community minded guy, and I am glad to hear that you are you are working with him. He's even given some free ad space to people who are struggling in the business community. That's so, exactly right. You know, he's uh, he's doing what he can to to help out locally. So, I I don't know. I've um, I'm curious about one thing, and this is going a little bit far out, but I just want to know what your thoughts are, what you've heard, or if there's any anything you'd like to, to say about this. You talked about your largest uh, fundraising game time, and that's done, and you've, you've been able to successfully complete that. But I think the second largest one, correct me if I'm wrong, is the Mudsock game. It is. And the Mudsock game, of course, comes up usually in September. And my question to you is, have you even had to – Think about the possibility that mudsock game may not happen. Nobody knows what will happen to to high school sports as we go into the fall. Have you? Is this too early to think about, or have you actually put some some uh, planning possibilities together there?
1: I would say, in terms of planning possibilities, we're probably not as far along on that one, but we've definitely we've given it some thought. That committee would typically get together starting in May. So really right now, uh, we would be actively soliciting uh, community support in terms of sponsorships. Uh, we'd be starting to get ticket sales ready for the summer months uh, in June and July. And the date for this year is September 11th, uh, Friday, September 11th at HSE High School. So I know our school, our school uh, athletic departments will, will follow all IHSAA guidelines. Um, and obviously the schools will will come alongside that. But when you think about social distancing and you think about what we normally do with that VIP event, which I know you've attended, we kind of take over an end zone. And if anything, we're kind of slammed in there together. So, you know, it's hard to imagine an environment where um, we'd be able to rent the bleachers and have a big tent where people are getting together because it's it's that close knit uh, community event that kind of makes that that VIP opportunity so neat because you don't know who you're going to bump into community leaders. Uh, We have all the teachers of the year from the various schools there too. Uh, So I think we've had a couple of of thoughts, you know, if like everything else with fundraising, if that needs to go virtual, we have a couple ideas we might do there. Um, But I think the other part of that too is we're we're talking to those uh, community sponsors, especially the folks that, that have done that for years around, if that event happens, here's what we think it might look like. But if it doesn't, are there some other ways we might be able to still do some mudsock oriented activities around that time, including the possible? And you know all about the possible Larry, last year, we brought in you know, over 40,000 pounds of pasta through our 22 schools that went into district food banks. And if I had to look at one area that I feel pretty strongly, we would try to do something around it would be that because I think what we're seeing is the effects of this economically are going to be still down the pike a little bit. And we don't know what reopening looks like. So If I had to predict what would happen, let's just say a football game can't happen, I would predict that we'd still try to put away and still try to put on rather uh, some sort of possible oriented food drive with our schools because I think by that time, there'll still be significant need.
0: Well, you brought something up there I want to explore a little more if you can. I know that you, with all your various events, uh, you do by the way, one of the memory I have I, you talk about being close together. I still remember a few years ago when we had the driving rainstorm, everybody was in the tent. Oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was,
1: doesn't really describe that yeah. that's, uh, that, was, two, um, that was what three years ago, and uh, what I'll remember is the student sections. I mean, they, they just they stayed right put and they went back and forth all night. It was incredible.
0: I think the jacket I wore that night is still wet, but that's another Yes. Uh, yes. I, I want to ask about this commercial sponsorship. You depend a great deal on on the businesses in the general we area, did. Fishers, and, and even some, some uh, outside headquartered businesses that do a lot of uh, business in Fishers. Have you had any indications? You don't have to mention any names. I'm just curious in general. Have you received any indications of some of these sponsors that have hooked up with you in the past saying, you know, I I really want to support HSC Foundation, but I'm not sure we can do it this year. Have you heard anything like that yet?
1: I haven't had that specific conversation yet, but we also, we're not uh, unaware of what's going on. So we've also held off on active solicitation. I think our mindset right now is with some of the businesses, for instance, that supported the Mudsock game, uh, one of the things we've been reaching out to them about, um, because a number of those are actually community uh, restaurants. You know, you you think about some of the people that are kind of the most impacted now with their dining rooms closed, takeout only, those type of things. We are working on a program, and you'll see more about this uh, next week, but um, next week is teacher appreciation week across the across the country. And that's usually a really big week for people. Uh, a lot of schools would cater in, feed their whole staffs. So a lot of that's not maybe happening like it, it should be or could be. So we have been reaching out to them proactively. We've published a list on our website of every community business, literally every business that supported the foundation of, over the last year. We have a list of those businesses with links, um, whether they're a restaurant or whether they're Uh, a small business, an attraction or a recreation opportunity. We have those all on our website now. So people, they want to support businesses that have supported the foundation. They're listed there. But a couple come to mind, like uh, Four Day Ray, Ale Emporium, Moe's, Mexican Grill. What we're going to do next week for our teachers is every day next week during Teacher Appreciation Week, we're going to feature a business with a special offer that if you work for our school district, you'll have an opportunity to go in and get a free cup of queso or get a free appetizer. So we're going to load up a lot of those businesses that we would have normally been focused on, Mudsock. We're trying to feature them in a different way, put a special offer out there just to say thanks to our staff, but also try to drive some business their direction as as I think we're starting to get into that reopening stage. So that's something new for us and maybe something we wouldn't have had the time to focus on, quite frankly, if we were worried about Mudsock. But we thought that was something new that we felt was... Important to try to feature those businesses, showcase them, but also tell our staff that are, they had to learn how to teach in a whole different way that's not in a classroom. Just tell them thank you during a really important week, during this Thank an Educator Week.
0: Just saw an interesting TV, uh, local news piece, and it was all about local sports leagues all around the area. And they mm-hmm. had one of those Zoom-type meetings where the reporter was trying to get feedback from the various people who run I don't. I, there might have been one lady from from one of the Fisher's uh, travel leagues. I think in basketball for ladies basketball. Reason I bring this up to you is that, and we were, are recording this at uh, between one and one thirty on April thirtieth. Actually, today, later today, we're expected to get more guidance from the governor on what's going to happen starting tomorrow in terms of guidelines. Right. Uh, should you have uh, youth sports? If so, what are the guidelines, which could be rather strict? So. Uh, are you also waiting for those guidelines? Do you need to know what the uh, the governor plans on doing in terms of uh, how people should be behaving uh, in, in various types of events, whether it's shopping or sports? Uh, once you have that, well, I'll help you know where you need to go from here.
1: I think the answer to that is yes, for sure. I think, you know, we're all trying to feels like a little bit of a wait and see, but I think all of this has been done to flatten the curve and keep everyone safe. So, you know, obviously the city has, has gone some, to some extraordinary links too. And, you know, I know we talked about, uh, the mayor, uh, earlier, but one of the things I, I know speaking for the nonprofit community a little bit, he's done a separate call with us weekly, uh, the faith-based community, the nonprofits and in, in the area, some of the sports organizations that you mentioned, but, um, you know, there may not be a lot figured out on those calls, but it's sharing information. It's bringing on a, a subject matter expert, um, He's had Senator Todd Young's been on there. He's had a number of special guests. So just want to thank the, the city, who is a strong, strong partner of not only the foundation, but the school district. I feel like um, from talking to our other communities, Fishers again, uh, and then um, as a byproduct, HSC Schools, I think we're trying to be as communicative as possible, as innovative as possible. But we also have to follow the guidelines. So for instance, if they can't play a, a football game, high school football this fall, we'll all be really sad about that. But I think as a foundation, we would try to be creative, and what can we do to maybe still celebrate that mudsock rivalry? Uh, we've talked about, and these are ideas. But maybe we do, you know, we've got an alumni effort. Maybe we go back through uh, the annals of some of the fun games over the years and bring on. Maybe we do a, a live video or something with some of those those players over the years, so they can relive that. I think what we're seeing as sports plays out is we're trying to showcase as much as the good stuff from before, so we remember it and we kind of look forward to the future. So. Um, I think we could still do some things to raise awareness, bring in some funds, and then when schools do back, open back up, uh, we'd love to have some of those those resources to again support the our mission, which is to support the students and the teachers.
0: I know that you have uh, in recent time tried uh, to bring in more alumni as uh, to, into the family of Hamilton Southeastern Schools Foundation, get them more involved in what you do in, in their role as alumni and just having. And educated here. Uh, at a time like this, are you uh, are you able to tap into that alumni network? And if so, how does that help?
1: Well, you mentioned it uh, earlier. One of the things that we, we just put out this week is uh, a program called Highlight a Hero. Um, highlight an alumni hero. And if you go to our website or our social media, which is just hsefoundation.org or at hsefoundation across uh, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter, you'll find it. Um, but we're actually asking for nominations from the community. Uh, we know that there's uh, incredible alumni out there, Tigers and Royals, that are on the front lines uh, that have been working to get, you know, do essential workers that they've been on uh, doing things, whether it's um, uh, essential businesses, first responders, healthcare workers, food services, other alumni, um, cash station workers, anybody who's been out there that that can't work from home. That needs to go into a business and has been doing something to help and make sure some semblance of life, as we know it, continues. We're asking the community to actually help us identify those alumni. As you said, um, we we are trying to um, get a grassroots effort to really build our alumni communication, whether it's newsletters or Facebook pages or events like the one we were planning to host in May at Top Golf. Uh, But we've now postponed until August. Hopefully we can host that event then. But that's an area that we want to showcase some of those alumni that are out doing great things. Uh, We've seen um, a couple of examples of these already. And they're they're just neat stories that otherwise may not get out there uh, that we want to help amplify the message in uh, cooperation with HSE schools to help uh, better educate our community about some some of those heroes out there on the front lines, whether in Indiana or even out of state.
0: Along those lines, let me ask you this: since we're trying to just getting close to wrapping this up, this has been a tough time for all of us. No matter what you're doing, whether you're working in foundation work, you're a school teacher administrator, you're anywhere in the economy locally, it's been hard. We, we've the the news has not generally been good. And you right. touched on something there where people are are doing some great work. Tell me a story or two that you have heard that you found uplifting. That's local. What that makes you feel better about living in the Fishers area?
1: A couple of things come to mind immediately. I I think about the support and some of the unique things that are happening in our community. Um, You know, this recovery plan that the city's put out um, and the the local businesses that have been a part of that to try to, whether it's establishing loans. We've seen a number of our uh, community leaders reach out to us proactively. How can I help? Uh, What do you need? How can I help schools? Um, and we've had a couple of examples of, of generous community members, individuals, but also businesses uh, reach out to us and just say, hey, I, I want to do something to help. How can we best do that? And the other thing that comes to, to mind is, is, again, going back to next week, the foundation's had a longstanding uh, honor roll list on our website. We've got 840 names on there of teachers that, since we were founded in 01, have done something really special that a community member and, and usually a parent has wanted to acknowledge. So one thing we want to really get going next week is the hashtag. Thank you, HSE. And because it is teacher appreciation week, we're going to work in partnership with the district to not only highlight some of those community businesses with special offers, but we're also going to ask the community. Um, it's not just teachers, but you've got counselors, bus drivers, principals, nurses, coaches, assistants, secretaries, custodians, even food services, You've got all those folks that are doing extraordinary things, um, and I think, especially during e-learning, there's been there's been some negatives, but there's also been some real positives. From kindergartners doing Zoom meetings to high schools, uh, chemistry classes trying to do something together all over video. So we really want to highlight those things with Teacher Appreciation Week next week. Uh, we're encouraging folks to use that hashtag hashtag post something good that they're seeing happening in the community because it's exactly what what you said. There's a lot of negativity and some extreme stuff out there. Let's talk about the good. We see a lot of good uh, within HSC schools. Yes, there's some challenges and there's been some real obstacles. But if folks head to our website, again, just hscfoundation.org, they want to nominate a teacher, we'll post them on this honor roll. We'll um, put what you think they've done, have done extraordinary in your household. We'll put that on a certificate and we'll get that to them. Just as a little, little bit of a thank you. Uh, but that's something we want to try to showcase next week. Is this thank you HSE program across all our 22 schools? You know, help I'm, us uh, help I'm, us spread the word about that—the good that's happening out there.
0: Great, I. Uh... You my daughters, my twin daughters are 26, educated K through 12 for HSC School. So I've been away from it as a parent for a while. But on social media, I noticed that when the e-learning started, there were a lot of complaints, parents saying, this doesn't work, this isn't working, we're having problems. That lasted for about two or three days. And you know what, Justin? I stopped seeing that. All the connectivity issues, all the procedural issues, technical issues finally got worked out. And you know, I don't see, I mean, it's not easy, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying people wouldn't prefer to have their, their children in the classroom with the teachers, but I'm not seeing that negativity I saw early on, like, okay, we've all figured out we have to live with this, and, and we're making it work. If there's something positive, I guess, uh, the lack of the, the negative feedback on my part, I think that's that's a good thing.
1: I would agree with you, and I know there's a lot of people, um, You know, even in homes, if you've got Uh, kids in three different age groups. You know, if you have in the intermediate level, junior high, you get an elementary and a high school, you may be seeing different things. You may even see that different between different teachers and how they're adapting. But I will say what what I've seen is, whether it's our administrators or all the principals, these folks are getting together regularly. Buildings are getting together regularly. And I think we've got a whole district of problem solvers and just great people that care about kids, um, in addition to the other nonprofits that support what we do in the schools, it binds us all together in our community. Um, And it's, it's, it's what uh, our group gets up, our board, um, those that support us, our staff, we get up every day and think how can we do something today that will better the the life of our kids or our educators in some way. So uh, that's our mission. That's what we try to live out every day. And um, it's unique and it is challenging, but sometimes out of challenge comes some, some new ways to do things. And if e-learning is, is going to have to be the, the norm for the foreseeable future, I, I do feel confident that we got some people in this district that will try to continue to be cutting edge and try to make sure that all our students, if they are uh, struggling, have some support. Um, and that's something I mentioned, too. I talked with Brooke Lawson uh, earlier today, and she wanted me to reiterate, if, if a student is struggling out there and needs counseling services, they're all still working. Um, people are available. For telechats, if they need it, if if there's anyone out there that just this e-learning thing is still a struggle for them, reach out, talk to your counselor, reach out to a teacher. Uh, The district wants to still respond and and still be there for you, even though it may have to be in a
0: a remote setting. Well, that's thanks for the reminder on that. That's very, very important that people know that. I don't know of any teacher, administrator, anybody involved in the educational system whose workload has gone down as a result of this. Everybody's working harder, I would say. Uh, anything, we're about out of time here. Anything you want to say before we uh, wrap this up?
1: No, I just want to thank you for continuing to highlight uh, some important stuff going on in our community. Um, you know, I, I think our staff... There has been challenges that you and I talked about, but I think we are seeing a lot of good out there. So help us share the good. Think about if you're listening to this, if you've got somebody who is in your student's life or you've seen go the extra mile, whether they're an alumni, help us celebrate them. Go on our website, tell us a little bit about them, share a photo. We'll make sure that gets shared out on social media. And then uh, for teacher appreciation week next week, I would encourage everybody uh, throughout the district, all, all 22 schools are involved, but Hashtag thank you, HSE. Post a photo. Tell us something really neat that you saw. And let, let's let that good go, go viral. Let, let's stay focused on some of that good because there's plenty of the other things going on. But if we can keep focused on that, um, we continue to hear that that's a really positive part of a number of our students' days when they see those positive messages. So we want to help get that out there. And I appreciate you helping us highlight that, Larry.
0: Well, my pleasure to do that. So you've just heard Justin Heronisey from his home basement. You've heard me, Larry Landon, from my home office. Uh, we're, uh, we're just trying to make do with what we have uh, during these, these uh, challenging times. But, Justin, thank you once again. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Same
1: to you, Larry. Have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.